Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Akun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me as my co-host will be joining me shortly, Ryan Whitfield, the OG. So as we get, wait for him to jump on because of course nothing can ever go absolutely perfect for us when it comes to starting a podcast. I'll just say a few words here about the offseason. It is awesome in the offseason, okay? I don't know what you guys are thinking that yet the Super Bowl is the end of the football season. It does not end. I mean, the Combine right around the corner, franchise tag already open. We're going to be talking about both of those things. We're going to absolutely, both of which are going to absolutely impact the upcoming year of NFL football. I mean, obviously, we have the franchise tag that started on February 20th. We have the uh, NFL Combine starting as of February 26th. And full on on skill uh, drill starting uh, on field drill starting on February 29th. I mean, there's just so much that's going on, and there's so much to look at. And I know we know that there's a lot of stuff that you're going to want to know about who you should watch, who you should pay attention to, and what should you ignore overall time. No, no one's going to get it right, right? No one's going to get this right. For instance, no one could have seen that Brock Purdy was going to be Mr. Irrelevant a couple years ago, and I'm sure that no show was talking about keeping an eye on him at any point in time in the NFL draft. But we are going to be dialed in, tuned in, talking about all the various aspects of the NFL Combine, of the NFL franchise tag, of the NFL offseason, including free agency, going on through the NFL draft and on into, uh, the, uh, on into the preseason. So we're very excited about this. It's going to be tons of fun, and we have lots and lots to talk about here. So without further ado, let me go ahead and get this rolling. All right, as I mentioned, we'll be talking today about the NFL Combine, and we'll be talking about the NFL franchise tag as well. As we know, both of those things incredibly impactful with regard to building teams in the offseason. The NFL Combine, a lot of drills, a lot of measurements, a lot of interviews that are going to be coming around just around the corner. 321 prospects have been invited for the event in Indianapolis from February 26th through March 4th. A little bit more on the scheduling. You know there's a lot of stuff going on early on, including measurements and interviews and so on, but those on-field drills are those things that you probably want to keep an eye on, and they will be happening on four days as per usual. On Thursday, February 29th, we'll have defensive linemen and linebackers. They will be starting their on-field drills at 3 p.m. Eastern, and I believe that all these things can be watched on NFL Network, so tune in and check it out. And of course, you can check social media, Twitter, X, everywhere. I'm sure people will be tweeting out. We will certainly be tweeting out uh, all our thoughts with regard to the prospects and their on-field drills. Uh, Friday, March 1st, there'll be the defensive backs and the tight ends. Those drills will start at 3 p.m. Eastern as well. And then, of course, we get the creme de la creme, the part that everyone likes to tune into because it could be so impactful for a team uh, coming in through the offseason and looking at the draft about turning things around that everybody is watching Saturday. And that is Saturday, March 2nd, where running backs, quarterbacks, and wide receivers will be doing their on-field drills starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then finally, on Sunday, March 30th, we have offensive linemen 
starting their on-field drills at 1 p.m. Eastern. So, of course, tons and tons of things to check out here, and we got a lot to talk about. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Oh, what's up? <laughs> you know, no eating today, man? I thought you would be, you know, not challenged. You want to inform the listeners about what you have on tap for dinner, anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> this is the type uh, of stuff that we, we want to bring to them, the inside, the back, the, all the stuff that happens in the background, the how the sausage is made. <laughs> yeah, uh, I haven't got as far as dinner yet. It's been one of those days, so <laughs> okay. one of those weeks. So I got you. I got you. So uh, so we're getting into the combine here. Of course, uh, 2024 combine invites are out. Like I said, 321 prospects invited. Uh, any uh, you want to venture a guess here, Ryan, on which schools had the top number of combine invites this year? Who? I'm Don't sure no, most the... of them are not surprising. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I would, I would guess Michigan high on that list. Yes. Number one. Michigan is number one at 18 invites. That's right. Uh, Ohio State. Surprisingly, Ohio State um, not in the uh, not in the top seven. Believe it or not, is that uh, kind of shocking? Actually, um, Washington actually is next at thirteen. I think that's obviously a result of their stellar play this uh, this season. Aside from uh, their play <laughs> at the end of the season, I should say. Uh, then there's Florida State at 12, Texas at 11, and Georgia at 11, and of course the usuals, Alabama and Penn State at 10. Ohio State, strangely enough, not there, even though they have a number of really great prospects coming to the uh, combine. So Ryan, let's start there. Let's talk about these prospects because I got a bunch on my list. I know you got a bunch on your list. Do uh, you want to start first and give us your people, or you want me to start? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you, or we can go. Want to go one for one, and you start it off. Okay, yeah, I'm absolutely happy to do that. But my first one is actually a category um, because uh, he's it's not a cheated. single player. He's already he's <laughs> already moved the goalposts. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't even follow my own rules. That's how we do We're this, two right? Two seconds into the podcast, and it's already complete anarchy tonight. I know. <laughs> we try to do something structured, and I totally f it up. I, this is the way it always happens. Uh, and of course, that's why I like Ryan here because he can call me out on it. Um, he won't let me get away with it. So. The reason why I say that is I have my eyes very closely glued on Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., but the reason, and actually to a certain extent also Spencer Rattler, but the reason why is because I'm really, I'm really curious about what happens after Williams, May, and Daniels go off the board. I mean, there's also J.J. McCarthy I could throw into that list as well as someone that I have my eye on, but it's like a little bit of a mixed bag outside of the top three. So I'm really interested to see how the rest of the quarterback class really sets themselves up from the combine. And I think there's a lot you can say plus and minus on all these other players. I mean, if you look at JJ McCarthy, obviously uh, they are the champs, right? But he also threw under 200 yards in almost every game, except for two uh, in those last eight games of the season, including down to the championship game. So it's not like he was you know, lighting it up. He wasn't making a lot of, you know, he wasn't making a lot of, you know, errors or anything like that. He wasn't throwing the ball and turning it over or anything, but he also wasn't lighting it up. And he probably wasn't the reason why they won. He's the reason why they didn't lose maybe. And, you know, hey, I don't know if that's You're talking about that... the greatest quarterback in collegiate history, according oh. to Jim Harbaugh. So you, you oh, be yeah. careful. <laughs> well, I guess he's going to go to, I guess he's going to go to those Los Angeles uh, Chargers then and be the uh, backup for uh, Justin Herbert or maybe the starter if he thinks that for real. Uh, cause they, they have the opportunity to move to, to go get them. They can go get them. <laughs> He's got to put 
his money where his mouth is now. But if that being said, that's that's what I'm interested in. You know, I, I and we've talked about Michael Penix before. I've always I've been a big fan of his, but his his kind of lack of being able to pull through at the end of the season kind of impacted and he was very underwhelming in the senior bowl practices as well really kind of hit this stock and he's dropping like a rock Bo Nix had a similar type of issue with the senior bowl practices kind of dropping like a rock and on the other hand you had Spencer Rattler who was a senior bowl MVP and um, had a great week of interviews at senior bowl so his you know his arrow pointing straight up not somebody who was actually in that discussion of being after Williams May and Daniels uh, before the Senior Bowl. So, you know, he's one of those guys who really made done a lot for himself. Now, I will say this. The MVP for Senior Bowls has been a little bit of a mixed bag, all right? So the last 10 winners, of the last 10 winners, um, three of them are current NFL quarterback starters. Two of them are current NFL quarterback backups. One is a current NFL running back backup. And one is a current NFL quarterback coach. Okay, all those are great, right? Those are all great. One is retired after a 0.0 career passer rating. Okay, and one was drafted, played a year, wait, and was waived because he pulled a gun and threatened to kill somebody. So there's a mixed bag here all the way around. So I don't know what the end result is for Spencer Rattler, but he's put himself in the conversation. So I'm really interested to see if he follows that up with a uh, significant performance in the combine. So what do you think about those quarterbacks there, Ryan? I know I just named off a whole bunch of people, but that's why I said it's category. I, I'm not really interested so much in how Michael Penix does himself but how he does in relation to all the other quarterbacks outside of Williams, Mays, and Daniels. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, I'll just stick with the Spencer Rattler thing. I mean, uh, I, I think I think the story, the, the two things about him that I find the most intriguing and then I'll, mm-hmm. I'll throw out my one probably biggest concern, um, or not biggest, but up there. Um, so the senior bowl is, is, is actually him winning the MVP of that to me is, is a symptom of, of, a, of, a, of a, or a sign of something bigger here, which is mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler had a, an incredible 2020. This was a mm-hmm. highly touted prospect, lost his job, transferred, and kind of battled back, especially this last yeah. year. You know, 60, almost a 69% completion percentage, 1.01 off from that. Over 3,000 yards, 19 touchdowns mm-hmm. to eight interceptions, a 147.7 rating. Um, you know, uh, and I don't have his games played in front of me, but just looking at, uh, you know, passing attempts, 317 yeah. in 2020, only 187 in 2021, but 399 two years ago, 399 last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Crazy through the same amount of passes in back-to-back years. But um, <laughs> point being that, I forget where I heard this. Um, it was somebody who's really – uh, it might have been Albert Breer. Uh, I can't remember. It was somebody on, a lo- on the local sports station, but it was a national guy doing an interview. And it might, it might have mm-hmm. been Chris Sims and said that, you know, the, the, the one-year starter quarterback is, if you look at the history, the guys who have really like, been successful when they've come in the league the last couple of years, they were all multiple-year mm-hmm. starters. Um, right. And the, the one-year starters, which, you know, Trey Lance, Mitch Trubisky, like there's a whole bunch of them you can rattle off. Like, Absolutely. Um, it, it doesn't often – translate so so one um i like the amount of the amount, the amount of, of games he's played and the amount of experience that rattler has and i love the story again of a guy who could have gone the other direction right the, the, the one of the, the uh unless you watched that qb1 show years ago on netflix with uh right right um, that had uh jake Fromm and uh the kid from wake forest who i'm forgetting and then it had uh justin fields uh but the other one that was on there was tate martell 
uh, who, if you don't know who Tate Martell is, I don't blame you because he did absolutely nothing <laughs> by the time he got to college. And I think he went to three <laughs> different programs, never played games, anything like that. It's right. thing is that like that can be, you know, you've been told your whole life you're great. Yep. There's some adversity. You learn something. I think we learned something about Spencer Rattler in this, which is, you know, if nothing else, he's, He's a fighter, right? He didn't. He didn't. Right? He didn't pout, yeah. sulk, and walk away. He just fought back and into relevance. Your point is now all of a sudden being talked about by a lot of people going into the yeah. combine weekend. So I think that's really interesting. That all that yeah. said, all that great stuff said. He's six foot one. I don't like <laughs> six foot one quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, yeah. You know, it's just it's very hard to play at that at that at that build. So, anyways, I'll be interested to see his performance. I think JJ McCarthy is definitely an interesting prospect, like you said, um, just because he's really unknown because it's. It's not just that he didn't that he didn't, like the production wasn't high. It's that they, right? You know, they they kind of kept the kids' gloves on him, and did they keep it on him because they didn't trust him, or did they keep it on him because they, they didn't just thought him. that, <laughs> it, yeah, didn't need right. him. And in general, you put the ball in there, you know, you know, almost like an analytics approach to baseball that you you pitch for home yeah. runs or strikeouts because, or you pitch for strikeouts and you give up home runs because balls in play are chaos. You know, is right. it that kind right. of approach? I, I tend to think it's probably because they know that at a high volume he gets worse. I haven't seen it enough to know. So that's that's where I'll be interested. I mean, uh, this this quarterback class is every single one of them has a question mark. And when I start to when it starts to feel like that, it starts to feel a lot more like the Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. Uh, I'm already forgetting yeah. the uh, the New York Jets bum, uh, but whatever that draft <laughs> there a couple years ago, <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence who really hasn't done I mean, anything, you know besides one one tiny run in the middle of last year into the playoffs. So, anyways, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking in three or four years that none of these guys panned out and that some True. one of these later-round guys. But then you get a guy like C.J. Straub, right, who, like, who like just like totally – he was on the top of the conversation list, but they don't think he's the number one guy, and he just ends up being the man, right? I mean, like, there's always yeah, that C.J. Straub stuff was stupid last if you remember this last year, and and we were I wasn't doing the show last year, so I don't know how much you talked about it, but it was like mm-hmm. it was one of those, and this happens sometimes. Like C.J. Stroud was like far and away the number one guy, and then in like the two months leading up to the draft, everyone talked themselves out of C.J. Stroud to the point yeah. that some people were like, "Oh, I don't really know." And it's like it was like almost like that people needed content, so they talked themselves out of C.J. Stroud. Like he was clearly <laughs> always the most NFL ready guy, and that's not hindsight twenty twenty. I just I I never I never understood why. Again, Bryce Young is the same thing as Spencer Rattler. Bryce Young is too small and frail and slight to play that position at a level. Like I don't, yeah, you know, I don't know how how you look at those two those two prospects and take one of the other. And, and I love Richardson, but Richardson is a a, a developmental project, and I think anyone everyone knew that. Like he was never going to come in as Jay Stroud did last year, even in the best circumstances. He is a right. Anthony Richardson's right. a guy that in three years he's Josh Allen, right? It's, he's the second coming of Josh Allen. That if he can round in and gets a good coach like Dayball who knows how to work with him that that could happen so anyways long story short that I think I think we're much more likely to see one of these second tier guys um, yeah whether it is uh Jaden Daniels would have been in this class before he rose up but like Penix um JJ yeah, Bo Nix one, one of these one of these one of these guys I think could pop up I think the other interesting name for me personally um and I, I know obviously uh you know kind of a, a tragic his collegiate career here, but Jordan Davis mm-hmm. is another guy. This is another guy that I think healthy at the end of the year and gets to get get into the playoffs and do something. Uh, maybe he's being talked about a little bit more than he is right now. So I think you're much mm-hmm. more like I think this is more of one of those like Dak Prescott drafts where it's going to be somebody in the third or fourth round that actually comes out 
nowhere and, and turns out to be a guy, which makes watching the combine more important. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and it's interesting. And, and I'll, you know, say what you will, but if you look at some of the folks who um, won the Senior Bowl MVP in the past and ended up getting drafted a little bit later and ended up being starters, one of those would be Dak Prescott. Um, and I know that not everyone is a big fan of his, but I, I, I can safely say that he's probably at least in the top half of the league in terms of quarterback. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot here that is left to be decided and determined in the combine. I, like I said, I've, I've always been a big Michael Penix fan, but he's, you know, he's been in college for six years and he did turn it on this year and he did kind of turn it on last year, but there was a long stretch of nothingness there for him. And, and when he was at, you know, IU and you got to wonder like, you know, how does that translate? Because we saw him not really perform at the greatest stage and that is a real question mark. And then to follow it up with just underwhelming uh, senior bowl practices, and it just it just didn't really have a great taste there, kind of took me off the Michael Penix bandwagon, which is strange because I was really kind of in it. And hopefully I'm not that guy who's talking myself out of Michael Penix Jr. But anyway, we'll see what happens there. But that, that quarterbacks are number one. The, the next one that I, I want to talk about is just there's a couple of wide receivers. Now, listen. The, the problem is that there are a lot of great wide receivers in the draft this year. Just a lot of great ones. So I'm not so much interested in the Marvin Harrison juniors of the world, which who I, who I'm sure will blow the doors off um, or at least have the opportunity to blow the doors off in the NFL. Uh, I'm looking at some second, third rounders that kind of caught my eye. And those are the ones I'm kind of looking at. I'm looking at Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina. And I'm looking at Adonai Mitchell out of Texas. And, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, Leggett's interesting because in many ways, he's kind of the Michael Penix Jr. of the wide receiver class. He kind of had a slow start, but had a breakout later in his career. Last year, um, 71 receptions for 1,255 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, he's 6'1", 223 pounds. Um, like I said, a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, and he doesn't have that kind of twitch quickness that everybody likes at the line of scrimmage, but he has some great long speed, um, obviously great size. Um, he's, he's muscular. He has great contested catch ability. He's kind of gone a little bit under the radar because of the fact that he's a late bloomer in college. And those are the type of guys I think you get great value on late second or third round. If he's sitting around there, I think there's some room for him to really take off. And the other guy, Donai Mitchell, out of Texas, you know, last year, 55 receptions for 845 yards, but 11 touchdowns, 6'4", 196 pounds. I mean, maybe he needs a little bit more, maybe a little bit more weight there. 6'4", though, what, great, great uh, hands, great height. And from what I understand, from looking at the tape, he has some great route running skills. I mean, that is something that I know you could say, I, we can teach that, we can teach that, but he has great instincts. And he runs great routes. I mean, like, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, if you want him to run a great go route, post, anything intermediate or a deep crosser, any of that stuff, he is just fantastic at that. And he's terrific, even when he has defensive backs all over him. So I, I love that. And he's another guy who I think will go late in the second or third round. And he can do a lot for his draft positioning in the combine because I don't think people were paying attention to him. I really don't think, think that people are paying, paying attention to Xavier Leggett. And I think that they can really make a name for themselves in the combine. So that, those are the guys I'm looking at. Like I said, I, I'm very interested in the wide receivers, but these late guys are really interesting to me. What do you think? Yeah. So um, it's interesting. This is, this is funny. Kind of one of the uh, fun places that we're at now where, 
I had, you know, I've always, I've always been a person on the show with really strong, uh, uh, um, I'm trying to say opinions, right? And uh, yeah, notice I skipped uh, running backs. <laughs> I did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm even coming around on that. I think we saw Whoa. last year with Jameer Gibbs that as long as you draft the right kind of running back, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's a pass. It's a passing game. So as long as you're not yeah. wasting a draft pick on Saquon Barkley, you know, because that really turned the Giants around. <laughs> Thank God they went that. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about him in a minute. But, uh, so, yeah, yeah, and you know, and the and the, and the Cowboys finally got rid of uh, Zeke's money off their books and went with Tony Pollard, who is a you know. Uh, yeah, right. back, you know, yeah, yeah, he was better and, with and all, Zeke, actually, and all, did, and all he did was go as far as they always go. So yeah. <laughs> nothing so, changed. Uh, it was a great, great anyways, move. <laughs> anyways, receivers. Just to talk six foot, you know, six foot four guy, and and that I, that I was in love with. But I think I think I've seen the last couple of years. Just not not even think. I mean, I know I've seen how much the game has changed. Like I don't think yeah. that, that the Des Bryant's and Anquan Boldens that I loved 10 years ago would, would actually work in today's game. Uh, anyways, right. Uh, right. we've seen it over the last couple of years, I had a unique opportunity uh, to see it with Nikhil Harry. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. and I, I remember, uh, I forget who it was again. I'm going to, I always forget my sources, but um, so sorry, whoever <laughs> said this, but there was a, one of the, one of the local stations again, had on like one of the college, you know, guys and said, you know, how do the Patriots miss so bad on Nikhil on a draft that where basically every, every other receiver was, was, and he said, because yeah. it's that jump ball contested guy who can't separate anymore is is just not going to perform at the NFL level. Because right. again, if you look at if you look at most college secondaries, they're littered with five ten corners, and most of them yeah. don't, don't you know match up man for man. It's the you know the the number one corner plays the left, and the number two the right. And so if right. you have a big if you have one big um, you know, if you're South Carolina, you got J.C. Horn on one side, and you got the little guy on the other side. Well, then you just line up Kill Harry on the other side and go attack him with the Kill Harry. And the Kill Harry, right. you know, the Kill Harry, not just to pick on the Kill Harrys of the world, can dominate. And, and like you just talked about in Texas, you know, 11 touchdowns because you can get the match you want more often, and, and that's yeah. going to be easier right. for those guys. But I think, sh- uh, short of being a DJ Metcalf or AJ Brown, where you have that and speed. It's just not going to translate into today's NFL. So um, it just that's just a, just a little caveat how I've changed the way I evaluate the receiver position from where we were five six years ago when I used to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was I was an Alan Lazard. I just saw a video yesterday that that listed the top ten uh, receivers who got the open the least last year, and two of them were guys that I had previously touted on the show and it, uh, in, in, in <laughs> years years ago, and it was Devontae yeah. Parker and Alan Lazard. Because they're big right. and slow, and that's all they do, uh, and it just doesn't translate <laughs> in the NFL anymore. Um, yeah. So the I, I'm actually going to cheat, and, and the little group I wanted to talk about, uh, I'm going to cheat and do what you did off the top, and, and, and put a group out here instead of a player. But um, right. I, I live on the East Coast. I don't get to see this group, um, or I didn't get. To, I don't get to see this team play very often. And by the time I got to watch them, they had one great game, and then one game where they completely no showed. And so right. I, I'm. I'm Really interested to see the, the the trio out of Washington, uh, McMillan, yeah. uh, Adonze, and uh, yes. and Polk, um, yep. because Adonze didn't did not look like a wide receiver one in that you know Penix no. was not great in that in that in that game, but Adonze was never open. I mean, if you watch, there's no separation all day, just completely locked down. And I have a friend who is you know very very big into this is he doesn't watch any college football, but very big 
uh, fan of the NFL, one of these guys, you know, can list you up DVOA of players and uh, right. tell you tell you somebody's athletics athleticism scores, he tracks all those sites and stuff. And so that was his first night watching a doomsday, and he just he texted him to a group. He goes, "This guy's supposed to be one of the best receivers in this class," you know. Like so, <laughs> that's what it, for someone for no someone who didn't watch the the semifinal game, he was even more underwhelmed. So um, yeah. I'm really interested in those three to see because, like to your point, Marvin Harrison Jr. is is who he is. You know, I, I don't yeah. think there's a lot to watching that. That is that is a blue chip, almost gonna, can't fail prospect. Kill it. Uh, yeah, I yeah, agree. So. Uh, so, and outside of that, I think it really is kind of wide open field because I think I haven't looked recently, but Adunze has been the guy I think is the number two guy. And I, I mean, there's yeah, a large I mean, gap between he's those two. He's going back and forth with him and Malik Neighbors out of LSU. So, but, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he's 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 definitely in most like two, three positions for wide receiver. A lot of times you have like yeah, you a lot of times you have like a top three in a group. In the receiver group this year, uh, there's one uh, Class A guy, it's Marvin Harrison Jr., and then there's a huge yeah. gap between him and the, and the B guy. So, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, you know that, that's what I'm looking at, too. Um, uh, so, for me, really big focus on those three kids out of Washington. And then, and yeah, then I, lastly, I, I should just throw in there, uh, Brent yeah. Rice from USC is also a very interesting potential day two or early day three um, pick uh, or, or guy to watch. So, I'll be interested to watch him as well. Yeah, and, and Adunze was – super un- over uh, underwhelming <laughs> I should say in that last game but you know like during 2023 I mean he really was dynamite I mean he had 32 catches of 20 plus yards uh second most in the FBS he is a, a absolutely uh, great route runner he ran some very clean routes has terrific in high traffic areas uh, I mean he just looked great but you're right I mean sometimes you play against your competition and it's who you're playing against uh, and sometimes in the biggest stage, if you don't show up, that, that could meet, that could be really meaningful. Uh, what I think is going to happen is he will obviously slide a little bit. And part of it is not his fault. Part of it was Michael Penix Jr. also not showing up. But that would mean some value. I mean, I think there's some value here to be get out, get out of Roma Dunze. And I think there's some value to get out of Malik Neighbors as well. I think he's also one of those guys who is really, really good. And, and you know, I said that uh, Dunze had the uh, second most uh, catches of 20 plus yards in 2023. In the FBS, Malik Neighbors had number one, you know, so I think there's some uh, potential there for him as well. But I think what you said was absolutely right. It's, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. and then everybody else. Uh, and then you can all quibble <laughs> about all the pluses and minuses there. That, that's why I just don't feel great. I mean, I mean I'm not going to be on set if my team, the Bears, take one of these guys that's not Marvin Harrison Jr. I won't be upset about that. But I don't feel super warm and fuzzy about it. I'd almost rather go and take a couple guys in the second, third, and fourth round. Like I said, Adonai Mitchell out of Texas or uh, Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina. And I see the skill set there. I see the production there. I see the physical traits there. And I see that they might not have had the opportunity that these other guys have to show off and that they could be a value when you get them in the second or third round. And the combine can change that. They could zip right up there. Before, when we get to the draft, those guys may be in the top of the second round. I don't know. And, and who knows if, if Dunze, you know, ends up being, you know, dropping after his, his performance. Who knows what's going to happen in the combine. All right. One more group I want to talk about here, and uh, it's defensive backs. Because, I mean, there are some great defensive backs in the, in the draft. I'm looking again at later defensive backs. I'm looking at Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo. Uh, otherwise known as the pride of the Mid-American Conference. Um, he's obviously rose dramatically um, since the Senior Bowl, and he keeps going up and up and up. And again, it's another again, one of those guys who got some exposure in the Senior Bowl, 
for better or for worse. And I'm very curious because I have not seen, I mean, I don't, went back to watch tape after the fact, but I did not watch any Toledo football. I'll agree, I'll agree to, to I'll, just, I'll just admit that up front, that I've not tuned into any Toledo football during the season. I only watched it after the fact, after I saw him in the Senior Bowl. And, of course, um, a little bit of a homer pick, but Cam Hart out of Notre Dame, uh, well, well known quarterback. I knew this was coming. <laughs> well, you, you're lucky. I was going to talk about object SMA, but I skipped the running back spot because I, I knew you were oh, so anti-running back. I don't want to talk about SMA. I'm not going to – 30 years ago, he could have been an NFL player. We're not talking about SMA. It's, it's he doesn't ass. fumble. There you go. He doesn't fumble. I mean, it, zero fumble. Jerome Bettis anyway. would not work in this league either, and in, in, in in his, uh, in the poor man's Jerome Bettis certainly ain't doing it. Yeah, well, that, that's fair. Well, I will say just this about Cam Hart. Obviously, he's only he gave up only 15 receptions and zero touchdowns in coverage this season. I think there's a lot of uh, benefit there for he can definitely be a riser uh, depending on how he performs in the combine. I don't think he's a name that's circulating a lot in terms of uh, people looking at prospects and defensive backs. So those are the two that I'm looking at over there. And that takes us basically to the end of the combine perspective because I think there's so much more to talk about, but. There's, those are the guys I'm really interested in. Uh, anybody else you want to throw in the in the mix before we move on to the franchise tag? Yeah. So uh, the uh, the the one guy that I'm most interested in just because uh, his play style. I've just I've just spent the entire show talking about how uh, all the play style I love is completely outdated and it's all about speed now. Um, mm-hmm. But a guy who who's, who who play reminds me of a guy who uh, he uh, shares a namesake with uh, slightly. Uh, who got injured? I don't know, week eight, week nine last year, somewhere late in the late in the college season. Um, that I really want to see bounce back, and that's Cameron Kitchens out of Miami. Mm, um, okay. And if you haven't figured out who the comp is, if you go watch his highlights and watch his, his film, there is there is a lot of Cam Chancellor in his game. Um, he's fast. He's physical. He's listed under the cornerbacks on on the NFL.com list of, of uh, prospects invited to the combine right now, but he's a safety. Um, but Cam Kitchens is uh, uh, he he throws the whole kitchen at you when he hits you kind of deal. He is uh, <laughs> a, a fun prospect. Um, and so, but again, I gotta uh, forget what his injury was. Um, but it's definitely uh, you know again at the time. Yeah, I'm not seeing what the exact injury was, but he, uh, it, w- it was an upper injury, upper body injury that he, he was done for the year after that. Um, uh, so, uh, anyways, that is that is a guy who I'd like to see uh, how he can come back and perform because I think he could be um, uh, a, nice, a nice piece on a defense, and, and, and his draft value uh, will be uh, will be down now uh, because of, because of the late season. He had here a um, little bit, a little bit smaller, six foot, two oh five. Um, but again, go watch if you haven't, if you're not familiar with his work, go watch his highlight tape, and you'll you'll see that he, he doesn't hit like a guy who's only six feet, two oh five. Right. Okay. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. So I'll definitely keep an eye on that as well. All right. So let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on our discussion on the NFL Combine. And let's go on and move on to the franchise tag. So just a little bit of a primer on this, the 15-day window to applying the franchise tag uh, to impending free agents opened on February 20th, ends in March 5th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, just for those of you who don't know, there are two main types of franchise tags, non-exclusive and exclusive. Non-exclusive tag means the player can still negotiate with other teams 
while exclusive tag means that the player cannot negotiate with another team. There's also transition tags that allow a player to continue negotiating, gives his current team the right uh, to match any offer. Uh, now, keep in mind, a team can tag only one player, which results in a fully guaranteed deal for one season. If the player opts to play on the tag, the franchise tag salary is based on the average salary of the five highest paid players at a respective position. And if uh, you use transition tag, it's, a- it's the average of the 10 highest paid players at the position. Uh, so as we know, the tag is a very powerful tool that can be good and can be bad. In the best case scenario, you can apply the tag and you will strike a long-term deal with that player. And that was just the bridge you needed to get that done. And your player outperforms and does a fantastic job. And is that pro all-star that you wanted from the beginning. Worst case scenario, you get, you get an overpaid, underperforming one-year rental. So it can be very impactful. We saw this being really positive for the Baltimore Ravens, obviously tagging Lamar Jackson last year. Uh, he got a blockbuster contract with the Ravens, ended up being 2023's most valuable player. So there's that. On the other side, of course, Saquon Barkley. If <laughs> mentioned, tagged after they failed to reach an agreement. Uh, he played on the tag in 2023, missed three games due to a high ankle sprain, uh, and was just really unproductive. Now, is that his fault, or is it the fact that the rest of the Giants are terrible? I don't know. You can argue that all season long, but being that being as it may, you can notice that the tag has a significant impact. So this year, up for the tag are a number of folks. I'll, I'll name them off. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to ask you if any of these names pop out to you as guys you think are definitely going to get tagged and why. And uh, we can kind of go from there. So there's a Jaguars linebacker, Josh Allen, Cardinals safety, Buda Baker, Panthers linebacker Brian Burns, Ravens running back Gus Edwards, Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins, Chiefs defensive tackle the uh, Chris Jones, and everybody knows who Chris Jones is now, uh, whether you like football or not. Uh, Ravens defensive tackle Justin Matabuke, Giants safety Xavier McKinney, Patriots offensive lineman Michael Owenu, uh, Colts wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr., Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen, Chiefs cornerback Jajarius Sneed, Ravens safety Geno Stone, Buccaneers linebacker Devin White, and Buccaneers safety Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, I feel like I missed somebody else. Yes, there's got there's another Patriot that's, that's up for a, a possibly up for a tag too. Um, Kyle Duggar. Thank you, Kyle Duggar. Kyle, I don't Kyle believe Duggar. I don't believe I missed that. Thank you, Kyle Duggar. All right, so I, I assume you have an opinion on Kyle Duggar, but anybody else pop out in terms of guys you think we're gonna get tagged? Well, so here's the here's the here's kind of my general rule on uh, on, on on franchise tag because um, I think the part you that you left out there when you when you talk about you know worked out for the Ravens Lamar and you know then but the other way it could go is you have a really expensive rental but but more importantly is in my opinion is that you if you want, if this is a player that you're trying to build around and want a long-term relationship with the, yeah. uh, the, the franchise is obviously a very terrible idea. Um, it, <laughs> it makes for a very contentious, contentious. relationship. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so there's really only a couple instances. I think that you should use the franchise tag. Uh, one, it's a player that, you know, and that the reason why they, they were able to smooth things over Lamar is because they made him very rich. So if you're yeah, planning sure to open did. a book and, and pay this guy at the top of the market for his position and sign him to a long-term deal anyways, like you can deal with a little bit of friction and frustration by 
franchising him in the in short term to then get there. Um, so that's one. Two, if you have a loaded roster and and you think you're going to make a run, I mean, I mean, I I, I thought we I just tried to look it up again. I thought the Chris Jones situation was resolved. It looks like it's not resolved now, so I don't know all the machinations of that. But, like, you know, Chris Jones, like, that's a player you want to, you know, probably for a long time. But, but say they can't get to that spot, well, the Chiefs are still in contention to win a Super Bowl. You go and tag them to get, cause they get yeah. the one-year rental out of them, right? If you're not well, going to have a long-term, you, know, you don't is, just let them go. Right, but he's going to be particularly expensive because of the uh, the 2023 cap number. He's going to – he might be getting tagged for what might be worth $32 million instead of 20.7. Now, that's – Obviously, what's a couple million amongst friends if you're going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> but still, that's he's going to be expensive. For sure, he will. But I, I do it if I'm them. So that's yeah, uh, if yeah. they can't get to a long-term deal. So there's that. Then there's, and I know this is going to really upset all the uh, Andre or Austin Ecklers of the world um, out there. <laughs> but like running backs coming off their, their first contract, franchise them. Who gives a crap? Um, so there's that. And then lastly, and this is the bucket my Patriots fall into, you need to keep ass and seats in your roster. and You're not going anywhere and you got a ton of cap money. So yes, I do have an opinion on Kyle Duggar. It's a sad state of affairs that he's one of the stars on the Patriots right now. <laughs> so you franchise that guy or you sign him to a long-term deal. It's one of the most criminal things that, that that's happened in new England that no one has talked about was that between him and Josh Uche, on when who like it's all been made about how up until like the last two or three years the Patriots did not draft well for a five year run there and also right. had to give up multiple first round picks because of two different cheating scandals and yeah. so, um but the guys they did draft right Owenu, Josh Uche, Kyle Duggar they're all free agents this year they didn't extend any of their guys the Patriots yeah. haven't extended a guy they drafted in the first four rounds since like 2012 I'm pretty sure Jamie Collins was like the last guy they did it with. Like wow. I mean, you're talking a decade. It's wild, like what wow. what started to happen from the GM perspective. So all the people out there, the the Rich Eisens who week ten or week eleven were like, I can't believe people in New England are talking about fire and fill. First of all, we were right, jackass. Second, if you paid attention <laughs> to anything other than the history of the six rings, you would have known how bad it was here. It wasn't just a Mac Jones miss and, and some other stuff. It was poor drafting. The drafting got better, and then they didn't retain any of these guys. So now you yeah. got so you got two guys on this list. It's just wild. Anyways. So the Patriots should retain him. Um, the other one I'm looking at, that I, the other two I look at that I go, I don't know how, nah, one I really don't agree with. But uh, the Jaguars, I mean, it, they're still in the mix for next year. The AFC is still kind of open. In, mm-hmm. Depending what they do here in free agency, they, they should definitely let Calvin Ridley walk because I saw they got to give up a higher pick if they re-sign him or retain him for another year. And Calvin right. Ridley was, was, was not, worth, not worth that last year. So I let Calvin Ridley walk. I put that money into Josh Allen long-term. If they're not doing it long-term, at least sign them to the franchise for now. You don't let Josh Allen walk out the door. He's, he's the, the only notable, really, player on that defensive side of the ball. So that's one, two. The last one, which, again, I don't agree with because this is another one. I'm like, you're going to hear this in my voice every time we ever talk franchise tags. I'm like, just sign the goddamn guy. So I look at the Colts. <laughs> I'm like, the Colts don't have a lot of great things going on right now either. You're going to let Michael Pittman walk out the door? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, so I franchise him if I can't get a long-term deal done. But if I can't get a long-term deal done, I might fight, fire Chris Ballard. And be like, what are we doing? Like, we, <laughs> right. he's, 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 a, he's a player that's gotten better each year. You have a young quarterback. Yeah. Michael Pittman yeah. can't out the door. It cannot happen. I um, yeah, I agree with that. And then the, the last yeah. one, I guess, again, let's go back to the Chiefs again. 
the Chiefs the Chiefs are are, are set for a shot to go for the first three. Um, you know, in uh, has it never been done? I drawn a blank on all oh, Cowboys early '90s. So first three Pete in 30 years. If if they sign Chris Jones and Lajarius is still sitting there again, I don't care about the money. It's 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 the the cap can be manipulated. We all know that you can defer money to future years on other guys. Have Mahomes restructure his contract and get a signing right. bonus right now, but bringing his salary down this year. Many things they can do. Those two players have to come back on the Chiefs next year. Yeah, I think I think you're right though. I think what they got to do is they got to sign Chris Jones, right? I, I think if they're going to use the tag, they're better off using the tag on Legarius Need, where they don't have to pay as much money and and get Chris Jones on that. Just sign, just sign him. You know, I mean, there's just no you can't let him go, and you know it. So you're still in that window, like like you said, you're still in that window to win. You don't want to change things, especially the guy who you know was as responsible for getting that win in the Super Bowl as any member of that Kansas City Chiefs team. So you got to get Chris Jones signed long term. Uh, and I totally agree as well with Josh Allen. But again, you can't tag him without expecting to open up the pocketbook and and pay because you got to get that long term deal done. There's no way Josh Allen will be happy to play out uh, another fran- to play out a franchise tag. I think you're going to have to get him long term. And there's other guys who are going to hit free agency as well that you got to think about, like Calvin Ridley out there is going to hit free agency. And everyone can discuss whether they think he's worth um, hanging on to or not. He's had his ups and downs. But, again, the Jaguars don't have a lot going on out there, so you don't want to lose your key players if you don't have to. Um, So, yeah, I agree with all those. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Obviously no action yet, but we're only a couple days into the franchise tag, so we'll all have our eyes and ears out. And we'll keep reporting this as we go through this. Um, from week to week, as well as on our X and Twitter account. We'll, we'll make sure we everyone gets up-to-date information on franchise tags, which brings us to the end of the show, hitting the air horn on the show as per usual. And just a little bit of overtime because of the fact that we had so much to talk about. Man, we, I could talk about the NFL Combine for like hours, but I'm pretty sure everyone would fall asleep right then. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad we found a way to to hit the top guys. Hey, Ryan, why don't you give us your uh, social media so people can follow you? By the way, just quickly, I'm, I'm, I was just looking at these. I know you addressed it just uh, as we're going out here. The fact that yeah. defensive tackle, the, that the franchise tag is that expensive for defensive tackle, like I never thought I'd see the day. This is it's crazy. <laughs> it's more expensive to, to, to franchise tag a defensive tackle than a corner or a safety. That is yeah. wild to me. Isn't it? It's so crazy. But you said it. I just had to pull it up in front of me. I can't. I can't believe corner uh, safety is the uh, safety makes sense to me actually. But corner is the is the third list. I'm not counting kickers and punters. Uh, I'm I'm not (laughs) entertaining that. But it's sorry, running back, tight end, and then it's and then it's uh, then it's uh, safety at three, corner at four. That is linebackers are 22 million. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. Maybe I'm not – I ever said I am not franchising <laughs> Josh Allen. You figure that out and you, you get him for a reasonable price. That is insane. Um, That's why you got to sign him. And then, you got to franchise him and sign him, you know? There's just no room. There's no room the for the Patriots. franchise tag. <laughs> and back to the Patriots, the, the, the Duggars price, worth it. $16 million, uh, The The transitional tag value is $13 million. I do that. Well, yeah, it's $13 million, I guess we can call it fourteen. But um, – <laughs> Anyways, you can follow me at Ryan Whitfield Any. Yes, and you can uh, obviously find me on Twitter at, uh, at FB Garbage Time. You can also find me in the Football Garbage Time page um, on Facebook. As usual, 
thank you for listening and wasting time for uh, time, <laughs> wasting time. Wow, I missed our tagline. Wasting time with us. Uh, we're brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping and promo code GarbageTime at Manscaped.com. And also brought to you by BetUS. Receive 125% sportsbook bonus upon initial deposit. Use the link in our podcast description to get that deal. And thank you again for joining us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week.